So cool weather is here. So nice. Hope we get some rain this year in Southern California. How to be proud of ourselves. While we're in the present, here's my life right now, and I see all these things I don't like, or maybe I'm embarrassed about or ashamed of. Maybe there's things in the past. As far as I know, every human, except perhaps sociopaths, don't know enough about them, or psychopaths, they're two different um, disorders, pathologies. I don't know if they actually have regrets, remorse, etc. A lot of theories on that, but I assume they're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> so as far as I know, everybody has things we're ashamed of doing, things you're not proud of, past occurrences that might be absolutely horrifying to you given your background or your morality, your ethics, your integrity. And I had talked to some people about this recently that I'm listening to the Leah Remini, Mike Rinder podcast on Scientology called Fair Game since I've had encounters with ex-cult members and was noticing how proud I am of Mike Rinder, who was the head of a department in Scientology that would go out and destroy, literally destroy people's lives as punishment for leaving Scientology. So he did horrible, horrible things. And some of the guests they have on the podcast, the people that come in, will say, and yes, you, Mike, were the one who did this to me. And Mike goes, yes, I did. And I thought, wow, what courage and resilience, which to me is strength, to come back from waking up and realizing what a horror you were, what damage you caused, literally ruining people's lives, spending millions of dollars on sometimes just one person. And to be on a podcast and say, yes, that was me. He has since remarried. He is continuing the fight against Scientology being proclaimed a religious organization and therefore being tax-exempt while they charge for every single thing they do and have billions of dollars and torture people. And our IRS has uh, not been able to back down from that um, exemption that they were blackmailed into by Scientologists who threatened to destroy the agents' lives if they didn't do that. (laughs) It's a story everybody knows, and yet nothing's changing. So here is someone I admire, Mike Rinder, who must have gone through a huge period of looking at what he did in the past. And he talks about lying on national television, lying to protect Scientology. And he is able to go on with his life, do things that make him proud of himself now. This is, in a way, um, his path to making amends. He has talked about that, and other people have noticed that, that 
He has stood up for what he did in the past. No apologies. His self-healing around that is basically his business, and I'm sure those of his close friends and his new wife, etc. And I remember thinking, if someone like this can rebuild his sense of pride in himself and who he is and what he's doing now in spite of his past, what an inspiration for people who are stuck in, I was a horrible person, I was a drunk, I stole from my family, I lie to people to get compliments from them or power or control. So those are such little things compared to what Mike did. I'm not minimizing them, but just saying to myself, if he can make a comeback, so can other people. So becoming a person you're proud of, where you are your own role model in so many areas of life, doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you won't sometimes flip into periods of remorse or self-hatred or shame while healing and perhaps even after being on the path to healing. I'm not sure if those blips, so to speak, those bumps in the road ever go away completely. But it doesn't mean that you can't be proud of yourself. It doesn't mean that you can't frame yourself as a work in progress instead of I'm either perfect or imperfect. How do we start then? Become proud of ourselves, to become our own inner champion, to be someone that we would like to meet. <laughs> it, so it doesn't mean You have to feel great about yourself right now, or you have to feel perfect. And it may also mean that you have no skills on how to be a wonderful person, what you think is a wonderful person. So how do we move forward? For myself, I have always chosen to hang around people that I admire and use them as role models. This also means I do not glorify them. I do not turn them into my idol and then attack them when I find out they're not perfect. That's more cult member behavior. And a lot of people sometimes, instead of working on themselves, they will get close to someone they admire, but use that to kind of step on their back and boost themselves up. In other words, they're not with someone they admire in order to learn new behaviors. Like, oh, this is how to behave, and this is what I can do, and this is how I can carry myself, and these are new skill sets. But instead, they'll get close to someone, or try to, that they think is admirable, In order to be adored, they think, or admired, or uh, allowed into an imagined inner circle, in order to self-validate. And eventually they will attack that person 
in order to say, I'm better than you. I admired you, and now I found your weaknesses, and I'm going to expose you or attack you or both for real or imagined weaknesses. And that will make me even better than you. Ha, 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 ha. This happens a lot. It's awful. I don't know how people stay in leadership or handle any kind of fame or attention or what others might imagine as power. Those attacks are just so rough. That is very different than what I'm talking about. And you might have to be careful. You may not know which one you're doing. You may think that you have picked a role model to emulate for self-improvement because you don't know how to behave better. Somebody who is more straightforward, more honest, more authentic, more humble than you think you are. But you may unconsciously be doing something else, which is, I'm going to insert myself into this person's life. And that is going to give me status or an identity or a false sense of good self-esteem. It may be a ticket for me to hustle new friends or relationships because I'm in this imagined inner circle. A lot of people do this second one, the unhealthy one, unconsciously. Some do it consciously, narcissists, for example, or even people with narcissistic tendencies, not necessarily a full-blown disorder. How do you know which one you're doing? Good question. (laughs) If you're not working with a therapist, a teacher, a healer, a sponsor in 12-step meetings, I don't know how you're going to figure this out. A lot of times people have a problem seeing patterns in their lives. Until you get on a healing path from which you were never healed, but in other words... We are mindful and self-aware enough to be able to really look look at, find, discover, recognize, and own patterns. It's very hard to find this material. People may not know that they are constantly hustling people of what they think are powerful or exotic or groovy or admirable or have something that they don't have, they might not know that they do this hustle. And a lot of times, well, always your friends will never point it out. And a lot of times even therapists will not, or the feel-good new age industry, so-called teachers and healers will not, because it's rough material to have someone say, You know, everybody you get close to, you use them for information. And as soon as that's done, you move on. Ouch. Hard to see that. And you feel shame because you didn't mean to do it. You know, you didn't. That's okay. But it's still hard to face that then. Whether you meant to do it or not, it causes pain. It can be malicious, whether you mean it to be or not. So that's, to me, one of the first things that 
one needs to look at in finding role models. If you are lucky enough to find a role model or role models in a healthy manner, not to step on their back or eventually destroy them or prove that you are better than them and therefore you are a better person, you will have to, as they say in 12th step, take the best and leave the rest. My own teacher modeled so many things for me and we have nothing in common. (laughs) And his life choices, I could never live with them. It's not my lifestyle. It's not me. And it's totally fine. I don't need to take and be everything he is. That's cult material. I took lessons from him, brave things, courage, knowledge, and wisdom, and the rest of the things I admired, I like, I enjoy, I find them funny. They are not mm, areas for me to comment on or criticize on. They're personal, they're lifestyle, etc. Now, if you have a role model who is stealing money, abusing other people, children, um, perhaps is uh, has horrible health habits, you might want to look at that as a role model. In other words, to me, the whole package does count, but that doesn't mean I embrace the whole package. In other words, if somebody had a personal lifestyle that I found really um, either offensive or unethical, I don't know if I would take the good from them because I'd have to wonder what that good was coming from. What was the engine driving that? Well, finding role models, and they have to be living people. They can't be television stars, podcasts, uh, wondrous people, or I would say someone that is not real in your life. I guess they can to some degree, but what you're doing then is using a fantasy as a role model because you don't really know that person. Back in the days of tribalism, the shaman or medicine person lived in the village. And the village took care of them, paid them with food, built houses. The shaman didn't have to go hunting. They didn't have to make their clothes. They didn't have to do all these other things that would take up their time and energy. So they were paid for their services by being supported. The other part of this is that the shaman was in the village and the villages were small or the tribal collection was small. So you got to see who this person was. They did not have a chance to put on a persona and then go away to some other village or other part of the land and be a complete fake. Plus, shamans were always chosen by sacred signs, not because they took a course on the internet and got certified. But you got to know your shaman, your healer. And what they taught you was 
completely in relationship with your experience of them as a person in the tribe, in the village. We don't have that anymore. That is a hard experience to find. Finding a role model while you still hate yourself or you're embarrassed or you're ashamed. We can have more than one emotion at a time. I'm sure those of you who have been with a partner, even sometimes with your children, it can be love-hate. Like, can't wait till they move out of the house and oh my God, I'm going to miss them so much. (laughs) So you can be in low self-esteem, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of remorse, and also taking steps to build yourself into a new person, one that you love and admire, who will always have a past. That past will keep you humble. It will give you compassion for others who are being idiots and don't know it or do know it and are struggling with that as you struggled with it. Another way to be proud of yourself, to start building that person inside of you so they exist along with all the other people inside of you, the crying child, the arrogant know-it-all, the miserable person who did terrible things to other people. We all have all of this inside of us. No one is just all one way. Not even the myths of the past like Gandhi, Martin Luther King, even Jesus, if you really look at his life as a human. The creating a fantasy of, you know, I could be this perfect person. You're just torturing yourself. So another way to start building towards someone that you look in the mirror and you go, I like you. I like what you're doing. I like who you're becoming. I like who you are. Is reading or listening nowadays to audiobooks, podcasts, and literally taking some notes on behaviors and trying them out. See if it fits you. How do you become a person who gives their word and keeps their word? How do you become a person who admits to their wrongdoings honestly, without blame, without making the other person take care of them because, oh, I did a horrible thing and now you have to make me feel better, even though you did the horrible thing to them, which is what, by the way, narcissists do. Narcissistic tendencies as well as personality disorders. But someone who can say, you know what, I did this really crappy thing to you. I don't like it. I'm calling to apologize and say, you know, if I ever do that again, slap me or give me a secret signal of some kind. So you can take on these new behaviors and try them out. Sometimes it's simple things like learning to have fun, that you try new things, like you go to a dinner party and you don't drink (laughs) and see if you can be with people. I myself, I had to study jokes. I was so serious from a pretty young age, you know was raised to save the world and save everybody from pain and make everything, you know, peace and justice for everybody. So I literally, when I was working in Hollywood, bought joke books. I'm not kidding. Wrote them down, carried them with me at all times. And if I was in a social situation, 
I would go to the bathroom and review my jokes and at some point in the conversation be able to say something that made people laugh, made me laugh, and introduced me to the art of small talk, which I had no skill in whatsoever. Still not too good at it, don't enjoy it that much, but sometimes it's it's really appropriate. But definitely a learned skill. I wanted to be proud of myself. I was tired of people experiencing me as intense and focused and driven and and all of that. Yes, that's still who I am. And no, not everybody has to experience that part of me. So you can try new fun things. But all of this comes down to trying new behaviors. When we do new behaviors... The structure of our brain, neuroplasticity, changes, number one. Number two, being proud of ourselves doesn't come from thinking or believing. Uh, How many people do you know who believe themselves to be deeply religious and are just some of the lowest people you've ever met? And how many people have you met who said they're atheists and they don't believe in anything and they are just great human beings? So beliefs do not determine how you behave in a world that makes you proud of yourself and who you are. Learning to be honest. One of the easiest ways to do that is going to 12-step meetings. They're anonymous, especially now in the days of Zoom. You can call in. You don't even have to show your face. You don't have to be on visual. You can be an audio only, and you can start practicing showing up as you to find out which parts of you feel good, you like, which parts of you are like, eh, not so good, and which parts of you might be despicable and you really want to do some work on airing those out and working with spirit for uh, amends, both personal and interpersonal, working with others. How else can you work on being proud of yourself? Let's say you think you're stupid. Why not read a serious book, one that appeals to you, one that's not too hard to read, and you learn something, and then maybe talk to someone about it, a friend or a partner, or sometimes if you're stuck in a role and people see you a certain way, you have to talk to younger people who aren't so entrenched in knowing who you are or keeping you in a role model. Sometimes you join a book club. Or some kind of forum, or there's so many ways now to share with people. And you find people who read the same book or like the same topic, and whoa, look at me, I know shit. I didn't know that, I thought I was a dummy. My stepfather always told me how stupid I was. I didn't know I was really smart until, I, I don't know, maybe... 50 (laughs) when I started my PhD and went, whoa, I know stuff. How else can you do things to be proud of? Well, 12-step meetings always talk about service. Here you got to be careful again because sometimes people do service to get validation and have people look at them, admire them, hug them and kiss them and make them feel good. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if that's the engine driving your service, that is uh, not healthy. But you do service because you're so proud of what you did. 
whether people like you for it or not, whether you get recognition for it or not, whether you do it uh, as a single-handed thing. Like sometimes you'll do some volunteer work with some organization. They barely know you. You never see them again, but you feel good. A lot of people, for example, do go to soup kitchens and do volunteer work around the holidays. Other people, they go to animal shelters and help play with animals or walk them in order to socialize them for new homes, etc. Other people might go clean up a street and just join a cleanup crew and you don't really have friends there. They don't know you. They You can't be worshipped and adored and admired and, and glean all that attention and you just do it because you feel good about it. So service is always another great way to start feeling good about yourself and a lot of times that will tie into amends because amends can't always be direct. And also remember, amends have nothing to do with fixing the other person. Amends have to do with fixing your own broken heart, that you broke your own heart because you were such an ass, or you were so mean, or inconsiderate, or rude, or a liar, or a manipulator, and you're like, ugh. Now you do things, you go, wow, I am not that person. I'm doing this now. That is immense. And yes, spirit will help you with that if you go looking for it. But remember, spirit can't make us do anything. We have to be teachable. We have to be willing. Help me find a way. Help me find ways to feel proud of myself, to be a better person in my own eyes, in my own heart. Ask that of spirit. You will be shown. But remember, you're going to have to actually do stuff. <laughs> you can't just read. You can't go to church and you can't do confession. You know, you just can't do those kind of easy things and think that's going to be enough. It might be a patch. I know people who they're horrible in their lives and then they run to church and they feel better and all the church people who also do horrible things throughout the week pat each other on the back and uh, you get through another week. George Carlin made a great statement about that. He said the problem with church is people come out of church feeling good instead of doing good. How else can you start to be proud of yourself? On a very personal, intimate level, change your daily habits. Start walking. Go to the gym. Eat different. No one will know. You're not doing it to lose weight, look better, show off, etc. You're just doing it because you think, I used to be a lazy person or I used to not take care of my great body, great health. I just treated it like trash. And now look what I'm doing. I'm walking. I'm going to the gym. You may not even tell anybody about it. And you're not doing it to lose weight, get in shape. I should do this. I don't want to go to the hospital. Uh, Dr. Marie said I should do it. No, 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 no. That has nothing to do with becoming a person that you are proud of. One of the things that will happen as you start to embark on this particular journey is that you will find that your taste in people changes because if you start being proud of you and you're around people who take advantage of you, disrespect you, 
treat you as less than, you will start to notice that. Right now, it might be normal because you treat yourself that way. Oh, there's the dogs, P. Go get them. Go get your dog friends. There they are. But as you start to treat yourself differently, and others perhaps aren't catching on, you will really notice it, and that's very uncomfortable. In some cases, you can change the relationship through boundaries, and that's really hard and sometimes embarrassing because, after all, they treated you like this for 10 years. What's the big deal? Why now do they have to treat you this way? Are you being too sensitive? Are you being hypersensitive? Are you making up a story about them? Oh, my God, on it goes, the pushback. If you have healthy people around you, and a lot of times if you're not proud of yourself, you don't have healthy people around you. But if you do, they'll just go, oh, great, thanks for telling me. But you'll even get things like, why aren't you drinking with us? You think you're too good for us? Or what, you don't like my food? And they're serving sugar and carbs and, you know, fat. And it's just, I'm not eating like that anymore. Oh my God, you would think that you are rejecting your entire family history, your entire family culture, the reaction you will get sometimes. Just a warning that everything is connected. You change one thing, there's going to be other consequences. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying it's so. And it's tough. So doing this all by yourself without either a community, teacher, therapist, healer is rough. When I say community, where do you find that community? 12-step programs. A holistic psychologist is great for millennials. There's another psychologist who has an online platform like the Holistic Psychologist, but it's a little less millennial, a little less uh, cool language and pop star type stuff that the Holistic Psychologist does called In the Trenches. And it's more about shadow work and some of the harder things. And I think the language is probably a little bit more straightforward and focuses more on mature skills, self-regulation of emotions and discipline, things like that. And uh, it might be that you need to start with a holistic psychologist and you can then move over to In the Trenches platform. They're both inexpensive, like $20, $28 a month. Takes doing, though, just to remind you. But you can find support there, encouragement, like-minded people, similar stories, Yes, when I stopped drinking, my mother and father got mad at me and took it personally. Yes, when I stopped overeating and not porking out on the dessert table with my best friend like I used to. She got mad at me and accused me of trashing her or shaming her. Can you imagine that? But it happened. You actually make a healthy choice and someone accuses you of shaming them. (laughs) Wow. But it happens. It does happen. Book clubs, another way to find community. Get support. You're reading a book on behaviors, etc. Be a little careful. There's a lot of New Age books out there and a lot of New Age people who force new behaviors on themselves. Not out of self-growth, but more out of somebody said you should behave this way 
so I'm going to behave this way because that means I'm a better person. But in this journey, you have to find your ways of behaving that make you proud of yourself. Not what the four agreements tell you. Not even what Pema Chodron tells you. You got to try it on for size and see if it works for you. Otherwise, you're looking to join a cult. You're not looking to become happier inside your own skin. We talk about becoming an authentic person. And being an authentic person is the whole deal. Meaning, I know where I'm weak. I know where I screwed up. I know the wrongs I committed. I know where I'm ashamed of myself. I know where I'm strong. I know where I'm proud of myself. I know what I have to offer others and myself. I know where I'm proud. I know where I'm good. I know where I need improvement. It's just the whole package. It's just everything. So you never have to censor what you're going to say or think about it. You actually learn appropriate sharing because you're no longer trying to fit in or make up for your shortcomings or trying to impress. Your natural radar for appropriateness starts to kick in. Yeah, you'll make some mistakes, but that's normal with learning. In the meantime, yeah, you do kind of have to police yourself. Sometimes when people get on a healing journey, they start to overshare, like everybody's on a healing journey. Most people, they don't want to hear that stuff. They don't care. They think it's weird. Sometimes they'll use it against you. Sometimes when you're starting to live life when I say healing journey it's it's forever that once you open that door it's forever you're just always like good health you're always working on good health you're always eating right the research changes your body changes your exercise level changes it's forever so when you go on this healing journey and uh, you start to be self-aware and mindful it's a lifestyle it doesn't mean the rest of your life stops either. It might mean that you still go surfing with certain people and they drink and you don't, but you still have a good time with them and they're assholes and you find it funny and enjoyable, but that's not your lifestyle. So this becomes a way of living. It's not a ta-da, now something else wonderful is going to happen because I did all this work. There's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Nope. It just means... You're so comfortable in your skin. You're so okay with all aspects of yourself. Yes, occasional days, you're not. But overall, you start to enjoy life more. And you will get different people in your life and have different relationships. Because how you present yourself is more along the lines of who you are rather than having all these unconscious agendas of I don't need you I'm stronger than you I want you to like me I want to like you so you like me I mean that stuff just goes way down if not all the way down not sure about that it goes all the way down definitely goes way down what a relief that you're not spending 80% of your anxious energy on your radar of 
What do they think of me? I better make sure they don't think this about me. I already know I'm horrible. I better hide that. I better make sure they know I'm good at this because that's the only way I'll get in. And on and on, that unbelievable amount of anxiety, angst, and energy towards controlling, manipulating your presentations with others, your interactions with others, in order to feel safe. Ouch. Hard. Hard way to live. Hard on the immune system. Creates a lot of addictive behaviors. Addictions have a lot of control in them, meaning the rest of my life's out of control, but if I can control my weight or I can control my drinking, come on, Pia. That gives one a false sense of, whew, at least this is working. <laughs> Don't be in any rush, kind of like people say, I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to get fit, and then what? I mean, your life's still going to go on. <laughs> it's not like you're going to do that and suddenly you're going to meet someone new or have better sex necessarily or, or anything. It's more like, for me, I can't wait to feel better. And right now, this is the way to do that for me. Instead of using food or alcohol or manipulating other people to like you, etc. I do this just like I pick out what I want to wear today because it makes me feel better. I like it. I do this and eat this because I have a craving and it makes me feel better. And I trust that it's in balance and I'm not having an addictive craving and I'm not having a craving that's unhealthy or self-destructive. So living this way, you begin to really trust yourself. And sometimes people say, you know, my intuition just doesn't work that well. Well, if you don't trust yourself, that also means you're not going to trust your connection with Source. You're connected. So, yeah, you're going to left-brain it a lot. Once you get, like, I want to say, in this solid relationship with yourself, it doesn't mean it's perfect every day. It doesn't mean you have self-love every day. Just pretty damn good. You're going to trust your hips, your spontaneous, let's do this, I want to do that, buy a ticket here, and because it's not coming out of dysfunction. It's coming out of a pretty balanced place. And you also trust that if it is a screw-up, you'll be able to deal with it. Because you're in a good place, you've got good life skills, you've got a good support community, etc. Freeze up a lot of time for you to enjoy life. Freeze up a lot of time for you to develop your spiritual skills. You know, for those of you who are interested in being healers or psychics or teachers, etc., you got to have some space inside of you to do that. You can be really good at that and not have some space inside of you, but it means you'll be really good at something, but your lifestyle will totally suck. I was just reading about R.J. Kelly getting uh, convicted, Yahoo! And uh, in the original arrests and things that were going on, a lot of people were kind of flipping out because he apparently is a musical genius and some of his songs are like classics now and fabulous and talk about him as a musician. 
Well, he is that. He's all of that. And he's a trafficker and a narcissist, a serious sociopathic narcissist. So just because you're a psychic or a telepath or a healer or a Reiki master or whatever, you're in your human incarnation that you came here to learn and grow. You could be cuckoo and evil, <laughs> as so many cult leaders are. They're all, if you listen to them, brilliant. Say the right things, at least it sounds like in the beginning. Come on, Pia. And then they're crazy. And they do crazy things to other people. So that two separate issues. What you can do, what you're good at, your talents, and who you are as a person and how you live your life and how you're evolving as a soul. Completely different issues. For most people, after a while, stay there, P. After a while, they're not so separate for those who are on the path of, you know, wanting to live aware and awake and healing and conscious. They come together. In other words, somebody who's awakened is not going to be a trafficker and then does service for Salvation Army and somehow feels that balances stuff out. No, those contradictions go away. In the meantime, if you think you're amazing, artist, healer, leader, moneymaker, whatever, <clears throat> you are. Yippee. What about you, though? Who are you? How's this incarnation going for you and your soul? How are you feeling about that? I hope this helps. at Life Path Healings, both Pia and I hope to see you at Life Path Healings. Journey on.